appreciate the cross. St. John chapter 4, verse 23. Now this is, of course, prior to the cross, before the Lord Jesus gives his life. <clears throat> Speaking to the woman at the well of the new changing of the dispensation of what God is going to do. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. How many wants to be a true worshiper? Realize if we're not true worshipers, we worship in vain. So you can worship every day of your life, hours during the day. Worship God. Call on God's name. God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, you're wonderful. God, you're awesome. God, you're this, that, and the other. But if you're not worshiping in spirit and truth, it's vain. The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. It must have been an overwhelming statement <clears throat> to a human being to hear that the great Adonai searched for anything from man. He who could have made anything he wanted, but yet he searched, desired, longed, craved, hungered for something that only man could give him. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, or God is pneuma. God is pneuma. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now let's read Hebrews 1 1, if you would. God, who in sundry times, in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his word or his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Brother Michael, would you show the video for church? So those of you that were here prior to service starting tonight, you saw the earth and Jupiter and Pluto and Mars and Betelgeuse and on and on and on and on of all those stars. Well, all of those were made, and that's just a drop in the bucket, but all of those were made by his son slash word. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. Now, the word here, world, is a strange word. It's a Greek word, which means ages, but it also means a condition of the earth. But he didn't just make the earth and more planets like it, but he made the ages that were and are and are to come by whom also he made the worlds. Let's bow our heads together. How many would like to be remembered tonight before the Lord as we pray? Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us in our lives. We're so grateful. Heavenly Father, for as we just sang, hearing the words of the cross and 
how we appreciate it, dear God. We thank you so much. It means more and more as we hear your word and hear the humiliation that you took upon yourself in order to redeem us. Father, we pray tonight that you'd take your word and just speak to our hearts. We're hungry, Lord. We're in need of you. Father, we know that you and your greatness could send us so many, many things, but you're always so mindful to give us that which is needful for us and beneficial. You're not like human parents that give their children things that are actually bad for them. Many parents give their children some of the worst things that they could give them to worsen their character, but you're not that kind of a parent. You have tough love, so sometimes you give us things that we need, even though we don't really even want them, and we never ask for them. But your love is not a human love, so it extends beyond that. So we're asking tonight that you would help us, and you know what each of us have need of in our hearts. Would you speak to us tonight, Father, your great word? Catch our attention. May we move into the epic drama of the realm of the eternal. Granted, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. The contrast and the manner by which God spake in times past, as Paul was writing about it here in Hebrews, speaking to the prophets of the Old Testament, speaking through them, them being the channels by which God would drop a piece and drop another piece and drop another piece and another piece. He might go for 500 years. He might go for 50 years. He might go for 150 years before he would drop another prophetic insight to his great plan of redemption. But Paul contrasts that in comparison to God speaking in the last days. Now you notice that he made this plural in that he said that he spake in the times past by the Father to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days or last 2,000 years going to speak unto us by his Son by whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So the revelation of the new covenant, once the Son arrives, is not going to come by the word that I used a couple of weeks ago in piecemeal, which is a piece here, a piece there, a piece here, a piece there, a piece here, a piece there. But God will begin to unveil what he's going to do through the mouthpiece of the Son. In the Old Testament, it was through many different men. Uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, different prophets that God would drop various things. But here Paul focuses that the attention or the mouthpiece of God for the last days will be through the Son, which is a mystery within itself since we know that he was going to be resurrected, of course, after Calvary and go into heaven through the power of ascension. But yet Paul says it as if though it will be the Lord Jesus talking on down through the rest of the time. Wonder how that's going to be. Wonder how he's going to speak to us in the last days by his son. Well, you see, unless you understand who and what the son is, 
that would make absolutely no sense to you at all. You would think that Jesus would have to be the one doing the preaching. Well, it is him. It is him. Now, he has the ability to do it in a different way now that the program of God has progressed beyond the time of just the Old Testament prophets by which God would use his son who is the heir of all things and by whom also that he's made the ages or the worlds and that is through the channel of the word. Now, to many people they would consider the word to be the Bible and they are partially right. Uh, because we know that the Word of God is, is the Bible, but we know that it's more conclusive of that than it is just the written Word. We know that John tells us if all the things that the Lord Jesus had done had been written, they, the books of the world could not even contain it all. And yet we only have 66 books of the entire Bible. So that lets us know then that the Word of God is an expanse that is so much more than just the Holy Bible, but it is the very concept of everything that God thought. And we know the word logos is the word that was used in the New Testament, and it means the concept or the mandate of God for the particular age that God is dealing. Then the other Greek word that was used is the word rhema, which is the word that becomes the logos becoming quickened to make it the present tense of what God wants it to be. Satan can quote the logos and he can even understand an element of the logos, but he has no clue about the rhema of God. Now, God knew that, of course, so he divided the power away from the Logos so that even theologians would have access to study the written word, the Logos, and not have a clue about what God is going to do. And only the elect or the ecclesia is a Greek word would be, be really in tune to what Jesus used the word in Matthew 13. And that was mysterion uh, called the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And that is those things given to the initiated. Those that have an understanding imparted to them by the divine, which means you cannot learn it, you cannot be educated into it, you cannot join it by church or be baptized by water, only God himself can give you that. Now, so God is going to speak to us in the last days by the channel of his Son, by whom he made the worlds. Now, we know that the Son, for the most part, people think of that which came to the earth 2,000 years ago, the season now that they supposedly are celebrating, and Christmas has no more to do with Jesus, and it does a June bug. And even for Christians, it's sad to say, but Christmas is more about eating and families and this and that and the other. It has very little to do with Jesus, and you might as well say amen to that. It has very little to do with it. If we was going to have church on Christmas, I dare say the majority of message folks wouldn't even come. So it shows that Jesus don't really have much to do with Christmas. It's more about tradition and families and presents and turkey and bologna and stuff like that. 
if it had anything to do with Jesus, if we had church on Christmas Day, we'd all show up for Christmas Day. But needless to say, most of us would be with our family or be elsewhere instead of coming to the house of God. Well, amen, Brother Donnie. I figured that'd go over like a lead balloon, but I just thought I'd say it anyway, just so you'd really see your own heart, you see. So we come to a spot then to where that God knew it would come to this and he knew it's not really a day anyhow, it's not really a season Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th um, he was not born of course in the time that man sets aside but the important part thing is he was born, that's really the important part so whether we celebrate it or give praise and adoration to God on December the 25th or June the 17th it doesn't really make any difference the important part is that he came and he came for specific reasons and for specific people. He didn't just come hoping somebody would feel sorry for him, but he come to seek and save that which was lost. But what folks identify as the Son of God, which they look at began, you know, they began with the embodiment of the second person of the Godhead coming down to the earth to become flesh, is not really even the Son of God anyhow. That's actually the Son of Man. But the Son of God existed before the Son of Man took on mortality. But yet he never existed as a boy. He never existed as a man. But he existed in the realm of God was what Paul called in Philippians 2, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And the word form is morphe. So it is the resemblance of something, an image that strikes light or strikes material or something that can become substance. So it's actually something that strikes something that takes on an image. So it is morphine. So it is something then that takes on the image by which the eye can be able to look at it and behold it. So what most folks look in the manger and see a baby and then it grew up to be a boy and then it grew up to be a man and then it gave its life. That's as far as they know with the Son of God and then he resurrected and goes back and, and sits by his daddy's right hand side and his daddy's an old man and he's a young man and he's second in command. He's deputy sheriff and all of heaven. Well, that's not the Bible. That is tradition. It's lies. That's right. But we do believe that the Son of God was that portion of God which came into existence when God began to form himself toward flesh. So first, it was the attribute. Then second, it becomes the manifestation of that when he starts forming himself toward flesh and he makes himself a theophany body. Notice this in future home. In the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The three stages, it was an attribute first that was in God. That he thought of himself as being human. Isn't that strange? He thought of himself as being human and then transmitted him down to be 
Jesus. So now Jesus become the human transmission receiver by which deity through the channel of Jesus could become transmitted down from the realm of invisibility. Now according to what Paul told us in Timothy, now unto the king, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be power and dominion and glory forever and ever. So Jesus, Colossians also says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So the morphe was that which struck the realm of visibility. And by God's choice, that visible realm would also become mortal realm later in the head of the new race called a God-man. Amen. Now, notice then, so he thought of himself as being a human being, and that transmitted him to be Jesus. Now, notice how he goes from being Jesus, from being the eternal realm of the attribute to being Jesus, and then he says, and if you'll ever be there, what in the world are we, why did we jump from the eternal to the attribute to Jesus, and then we jump to us? Because believe it or not, if you're a bride, you are part of the Godhead. That's right. Now, if you'll ever be there, you was with him then. For there's only one form of eternal life, and that's God. And you had to be a part of God at the beginning. Not what just you chose down here. He chose you. All the Father has given me will come. So then we see that it was he thought of himself as being a human. But that was not the first stage. The first stage was the eternal. It was the attribute. It was fatherhood all in one great volume in that realm of eternity. Now there's nothing visible there. Notice this in Melchizedek. Notice his attribute then. The attribute was first God. Then the thought, the attribute itself all in one was being expressed so it's in the attribute form in the realm of the eternal without being expressed secondarily he became then the word then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us St. John the first chapter and the first verse in the beginning but before the eternal notice in the beginning was the word when time began it was word but before it was word it was attribute Saul. Then it was expressed. In the beginning was the expression of the word. Now we're getting where Melchizedek is, this mysterious person. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now hold that there now. His first being was spirit God. Now remember Jesus says this, God is a spirit. God is not a man. God is not an angel, God is not a theophany, but God is a spirit. His first being was spirit, God, supernatural, all right, the great eternal. Second, he began to form himself towards flesh. Now notice, he's forming himself. 
So each formulation of the condescension of God is not another person. It's an extension of the same God condescending in a lower form towards man, amen, when he can become tangible and be a human being. He began to form himself towards flesh. Now notice what he does. Before he becomes flesh, he becomes theophany. So he comes from the realm of the eternal, then in the beginning was the word. So out of the eternal comes the word. Then out of the word format comes the theophany. From the theophany comes the flesh. Amen. From the flesh then comes the resurrection. From the resurrection unfolds into seven church ages. Out of the church ages also consummates in their own resurrection and the finale with a rapture. So all of this comes out of the eternal in a slowly unfolding of the mystery of God in a progression of time. Now he chooses to reveal himself and this one seemed like a long time to us but really it's not. It's been thousands of years as far as man would count time. But notice he began to form himself towards flesh. Now why couldn't he have jumped straight from the eternal and then go directly to flesh? Because in the great unfolding of his program there's so many stages that must be unveiled so he comes from the realm of invisibility and then it becomes the word so it's a little white light a halo hanging before the father it comes from that and he condescends a little over and he comes into a body which is like a man sort of but it doesn't have fingernails and eyes and hair like we would it is a spirit body a word form body which is a theophany in a theophany this was what he appeared to Abraham in. So a theophany is a word form body that could actually take up dust and sit down and eat a calf sandwich and drink a glass of milk and then walk away from Abraham's tent door, go right down the road a little bit and drop that body right off and let it go right back to the dust of the earth and that theophany move right back up into the heavenly realm. You see, he's unfolding his mystery of Christ because if the Lord Jesus would have come to the earth in form of theophany, he would have not been able to understand his brothers. But it behooved him to be made like his brother. So if he had come in the form of theophany in a body like he did to Abraham and say, well, I'll overcome. And then say, all right, Jim, I want you to overcome. And you say, now, wait a minute, Lord, I I can't do that. Because when you was here, you was in a theophany. I'm not in a theophany. I hope you understand this, friends, that the Lord Jesus in his humanity, he had a soul, a spirit, and a body. Remember, uh, whenever he gets ready to commit his life there, he says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, not his soul. His soul is going for the atonement which is going down to hell. His body is going to go to the grave. And he does not commit to spirit God his theophany because he was not in theophanic form. Amen. But he committed his spirit into the head. But think of it. If he would have had a theophany in the place of a human spirit, think of what is in our human spirit. Imagination, conscience, memory, 
reason and affection. If he would have had a word theophany in the place of human spirit, where do much of our earthly battles come from? In the realm of spirit. We imagine people don't like us. We imagine we're not welcome at the church. We imagine this. We imagine that. Come on, everybody. In our affection, in our memory. Well, what if God, don't you understand why one day that you will never remember being a sinner? God will take your human spirit from you so everything associated with mortality will be lifted from you when your spirits go. Right now you remember your past. You remember your failures, your mistakes. So what if God come in and took your human spirit? It's in my mind. It's not just in your mind. It's in your spirit. And if God took your spirit out and put your theophany in, all your mistakes, it would be like you never done them. Then you're back in the realm of God again. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh my. So the Lord Jesus had this human spirit and he had not remember now he was God but he was also man. So he was the God man. He could bridge the gap between divinity and humanity and yet at the same time be able to pay the penalty price that we might be redeemed. Oh praise the Lord. So he wanted to form himself towards flesh so the theophany then could appear upon the earth at various times and he did. He could appear at various times so the theophany could go in a cloud, the theophany could go in a bush, the theophany could go in a pillar of fire, the theophany could appear in many, many forms, the theophany could appear into a body of flesh so he just went out and said, step in that Gabriel, step in that Michael, and then he stepped in one himself. Then here they come up to Abraham and they got dust on their feet and they look like an ordinary man. God created a stomach and God created enzymes and, and God created a mouth and saliva and all that stuff so he could sit down and say, well, that's a pretty good ham sandwich there or beef, whatever it was. Man, that's a really good glass of milk. God could actually taste it. How? Because the theophany was inside this body. Now God created the theophany knowing that he himself, the Logos, the Word, must have a body to live into, but that the Logos Logos would actually move out of the theophany and be able to come to the earth and live in its own human body called Jesus. Oh, praise God. If the Logos would have been associated in the theophanic form and never able to leave the theophanic form, he could have never been our sacrifice or our atonement for sin. So it could appear, disappear. Think, your body, your body, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 for we know if there's earthly house of our tabernacle word is off we have a house a building of God and house not made with hand eternal in the heavens it's there tonight it's right there tonight when saints of God die what do they do their soul goes inside that body so where is it tonight it's up there tonight waiting on your soul to come God made your theophany the way he made his so he'd be able to move in and out of it praise be to God if it was not made that way how would you have ever come to the earth as a mortal so you bypass your theophany and come to the earth with a human spirit a soul and flesh and when you leave here you take the seed gene back into the theophany and the resurrection the body is raised up and you are seed theophany and glorified body you are the true trinity of God which is also reflected in Father, Son, Holy Ghost Woo! praise God 
Notice this, his first being was spirit God, supernatural, all right, the great eternal. Second, he began to form himself towards flesh. In a theophany, it's called the word. Now notice then, so the theophany as is forming toward flesh, it's called the word, a body. This then is the state he was in when he met Abraham and was called Melchizedek. He was in the form of theophany. So here comes Melchizedek and he actually serves Abraham communion. So him and Abraham drink the wine and they eat the bread and it's actually God in the form of a man. Amen. He may have rode up on a camel and may have got down off the back of the camel you know that old camel going down on the ground and getting down there and God stepped off the back of that camel it was actually the pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus a theophany hallelujah a theophany inside of a human body and he took the bread and wine over to his overcoming child and said Abraham you have overcome now I'm going to serve you communion oh friend let me move beyond this building tonight and let us move up there in the land, hallelujah, where we are going and one day Melchizedek will walk out and serve every one of his overcoming children communion. Except this time it will not be in form of theophany. It will be the head of the God-man race gathered together with the rest of the God people. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice he was in the form of theophany. Now we'll get to that and prove it in a few minutes, the Lord willing. He was the word. So now Jesus now coming to the earth, he could not come in the form of theophany, but he had to come in the form of sonship. Now it's going to be son of man and it's also going to be son of God, the word. What's this trying to do, God of service? He made his, his son in his own image in the midday. In the evening time, he makes a bride for it. Now, he's talking about the dispensations. See, what by? His word. How did he form the earth? How did he speak it into existence? By his word. Who was his son? The word. So the son was not a boy. The son was not a man. It was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was was God, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hold now, notice this, how John even says it in verse 14, and the word was made flesh, separating the word from the flesh. And the flesh was the part that could give its life and die. Amen. But the eternal cannot die. Notice he said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. How will he take his bride? By the word, not by a new cart. Not by some theologian's idea. But according to his word, he'll identify her. Don't put one thing to it or one thing from it. Now leave it the way it is. Notice then, let's go back to Hebrews 1.1. God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past under the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his word, his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Which the word they're appointed is ordained or set in order. So the father hath chosen. Now remember the father's not an old man, the son's not a young man. But the father is the spirit, the invisible. 
So he has ordained that his own humanity would be raised up and glorified and appointed heir of all things. Why? Because his humanity was not the heir of all things yet. The heir of all things was in the realm of invisible. But he wanted it to be visible. So he himself becomes the embodiment of his own son. What is his son? An extension of himself in the world that is tangible with atoms and light meters and molecules and so on. So God then wants the airship of the universe to be given to what? The God-man, the Lord Jesus, which is the Father himself in son form. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Ephesians 1.10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven. Now notice this was not already existing before the Son of God Logos was made manifest in a body called Son of Man. He's going to gather all things in Christ. Why? He wants to exalt his own humanity to a place that his humanity will be heir of all things. Why? He's forming himself towards flesh. He didn't want to leave it spirit. He did not want to leave it supernatural. He wanted to go toward flesh. So he brings you in flesh, which means he must also come in flesh. Then once Jesus becomes the supreme sacrifice, then God will allow this portion of the earth, which is his part of the earth, to be exalted and lifted up. What would it be? The visible part of God. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated or predetermined our destiny, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Amen. So then he who purposed this, back again to Hebrews 1-2, has appointed the Lord Jesus to be heir of all things. So the word heir there is Lord proprietor who hath sovereign and universal power over all. Now being the firstborn of this new race, he was a son over his own house. (laughs) He was a son, oh glory to God, he was a son over his own house. He bought the house, he built the house, he made the house, then he become the son, which is the firstborn, the heir, and while the father is still alive and always will be alive, he becomes the heir of all things and shares that with his brothers. (laughs) Praise God. Notice the Lord Jesus 
had to forfeit, give up, empty himself of some things in order to come to the earth. Watch this in Matthew 28, 18, after the resurrection. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. Read the next two words. They are powerful. All power is given. Where was it before? Now, if he was an eternal son, with eternal power split three ways, he would have already had it. But you see, Jesus Christ, I know you're contemplating, I know you're thinking, I know you're really trying to sort through it all. Jesus Christ, the man, had never existed before. So this person right now that's saying this is the head of the new resurrected race. The firstborn from the dead and he, he never had all power prior to this. But he, the Logos, the invisible, was God. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But remember the Logos was not the humanity. Don't you see yourself? Don't you see yourself? Your seed is not you. Your seed, that new birth, that born again something inside of you is not your humanity. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given. Well, who was it given by? Who gave it to him? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So if there's another God in heaven or anywhere else, he ain't got no power. So what was it? The allocation of the eternal, oh glory to God, now reverts himself into the form of resurrected sonship. All power. Oh, I realize some of these knot-headed message people say, well, I ain't praying to Jesus. You better. He's got all the power. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let me tell you one thing, brother, sister. If there's another God in heaven, he's sitting on the floor too. Because when John looked up there in heaven, he only saw one. And he saw the one sitting on that throne was Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the almighty God. the firstborn he received the full inheritance for the entire family Romans 8 29 for whom 
He did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among not the only one not the first and last the firstborn among many brethren glory to God Colossians 1.15 who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created by who? The Word. Now listen to me. Jesus, the man, never created all things. It was the Logos that lived in the man, Jesus. <laughs> well, praise be to God. Then what did God do? Once the Word comes into humanity, the humanity gives its life for the rest of the brothers, and God raises the humanity and said, This is my part of the earth. I will exalt this humanity to my throne. <laughs> and I will transfer all power from the realm of invisibility to the realm of visibility. So if you get anything, you get it through him. Allah, 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 nothing. Allah is a lie. Shintuism is a lie. Hinduism is a lie. There's only one God and his name is Jesus Christ. But I don't care what Mohammed said. I know that's not very popular in this day, but when did I ever worry about that? For by him were all things created that are in heaven or that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principality or powers, all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist. Sounds like to me the almighty. Now notice, but yet Paul now in verse 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. But yet it wasn't Jesus the man that created all things. (laughs) The son of God became the son of man so he could come back in sons of men in the form of son of God in order to change them to be God men. So the Son of God was the Logos, God giving birth to a son, coming down inside of a son of man. Mm. 
Oh, he is the head of the body of the church. Who in the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. Now you know Jesus was not the first one to raise from the dead. There was people in the Old Testament that raised from the dead. There was a bunch of people in the New Testament that was raised from the dead. But he's the firstborn raised from the dead like this. You see, whenever the other ones was raised in the New Testament, Lazarus raised from the dead. He had to die again. The winner from Nain's son raised from the dead. He had to die again. The other people that Jesus raised from the dead, they had to die again. But he was the first one who raised from the dead that'll never die again. So he's the firstborn of the God race that will be divine and human, super glorified in a unity, oh glory to God, of eternal life in a human body. Hallelujah, they'll eat, they'll drink, they'll travel like a thought. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So the attribute of the fullness of God, which is the spirit that comes to him at the river without measure, is so designed by the eternal that it can step in him at the river and step out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because that part cannot die. So the human part must die. And if it will die, if it is willing. Now remember, it has a nature. It has a human nature. Not sin nature, but a human nature. And God, amen, God has before him a commandment. If you will submit, if you will obey and become my servant. I'll not let your soul remain in hell. I promise you, I'll not let your body corrupt. <laughs> so he is the builder and the purchaser of the inheritance. First Peter 1 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you folks can say amen to that scripture? Amen. You believe, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved, not in Carter County Bank, not reserved in SunTrust Bank, not reserved in First Tennessee Bank. It is reserved in the eternal reserve of heaven. For you. Oh my, verse 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained. Boy, them New Testament guys must have believed in ordained and foreordained and predestination. Who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Revelation 5, 9, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. 
and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Can't you see when he's glorified? When he's glorified there in the presence of God, this is what we're going to be worshiping for eternity. We will be pointing back to that Lord Jesus, that humanity of God, and say, you redeemed us back to the eternal. It was your sacrifice. It was your blood, and you were not a robot. It was not programmed to do it. You chose to do it. It ain't no wonder that's a happy looking verse 10. And that's made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So when you get in your mind, there's about three or four, you might need to reread this scripture. Sing with a loud voice, worthy is a lamb that was slain to receive. Where's he getting it? Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing oh glory to God why shouldn't we want to praise him now friends blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that setteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever and the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Why? He has made him heir of all things. So it will be God's humanity reigning with God's humanity. He possesses the inheritance in his father's lifetime. Since his father can never die. So he says, all power is given unto me. I am God's humanity. I hope you don't misunderstand me. Well, before the resurrection, he's operating under God's power of attorney. You see, he was in the form of God, but he thought it not Robert to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself, or kenosis, kenosis himself. So he allowed himself to step aside from the original word glory that he had in heaven. Well, Donnie, you shouldn't do that. I'm only telling you what he done. I'm not bringing him to this place, friends. He brought himself there. So he 
possesses the inheritance while the father's alive, making it a participation on the side of his brothers that they can have their inheritance. And he got everything. So all the one septillion stars that's in the universe are all his. And they've all got names. Praise the Lord. Worlds unknown, worlds without end. All the earth, all the heavens, all the universe. He's heir of all things. Notice now, so he's not the second person of a Godhead that was coexistent or co-eternal because you couldn't make an heir out of a co-eternal God. But you couldn't make heir out of a created, glory to God, embryo and seed that was an incubator carried around by an incubator woman and let that grow into a baby and then into a boy, then into a man, then let that man give his life and then you raise that man out of the grave and then you can say, now all power is yours. Who says so? The eternal. Want to argue with him? Ephesians 1, 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? You're so blessed tonight to believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also on that which is to come and has put all things under his feet. Think of it. Human feet. Lord, I feel like speaking in tongues. Human feet that had nails drove in them. This is God's humanity. Can't you see what God can do with humanity once it's committed to him? Glory be to God. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Notice this is delegated authority. Why Jesus pre-existing before his incarnate condition was in form of theophany. Jesus the body was not at the throne of God. I've never been before the throne. Yet. 
But a part of me was. But the biggest part of me wasn't and hasn't been. But it's going to be. And one day in the millennium and in the eighth day, I will be an heir. You will be an heir. And there will be things under our feet. What feet? Lord children, I hope you can understand if you're alive and remain, one day these same 10 size shorts, 10 size shoes, these same toes, these same feet will be changed by the power of God. The same feet that walk down on this earth and mortality will get a surge, go through it and be changed. And somehow this body will move from a time being into the realm of the eternal. Well, I believe it myself. I'm not sure what you believe. Oh, my. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's jump down here just a little bit back here to Hebrews 1 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by Son, by whom all, he has appointed heir of all things. By whom also he made the worlds. So through this agency or instrumentality of whatever the son was before incarnation. So it wasn't like this old man had this young boy up there in heaven. He said, now, I think I'll make some stars. You want to help me, son? He said, well, daddy, if you want me to. Uh, you, you, you guys, you got any stardust, Daddy? Uh, daddy, you want me to draw it out on a piece of paper for you? What, what, what do you want me to do, Daddy? Tell me, tell me what you want me to do. Well, the Bible says He created all things by Him, and He was His Son, Christ's Word. So how did He do it? Let there be. And His Son went out of His mouth. Now see, as I said, you and I cannot do that. We don't have the ability to turn our words into children. Oh, glory. But he could. So what went out of his mouth was his son. And he said, let there be, and there was. And he said, that's my boy there. That's my boy. Hallelujah, that's me. So the Logos is the son of God. (laughs) Philo, the Jewish historian, says it over and over again in his writings. Repeatedly says that the creative work was done by his son, the Logos. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same as in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Again, Colossians 1 16. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him. And for him. 
And it was by him the sign slash logos slash word he made the world. Hebrews 11, 3, through faith we understand that the worlds, plural, were framed by the Son of God or Word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So when you was a little kids and you'd sit down and go outside and make a little mud house. Maybe some of your brothers had Tonka toys. And you'd move them around with dirt piles. And you little girls would play with paper dolls. And you'd cook and do all kinds of things. Well, you did that with things which appeared. Things that was there. And then you changed them. But the Logos could take that which was not yet in existence and make it be. You see, he is the founder and the builder of God's family, both Old and New Testament, in attribute seed form. So he's the one who propagates the holy seed of God. Hebrews 3.3, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, Inasmuch as he who has builded the house has more honor than the house. Well, that makes a lot of sense, don't it? For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. No, wait a minute, I thought the word did. Same thing. God in another format. Notice then, and Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which are to be spoken thereafter. But Christ as a son, wait a minute, I thought he was the father. He was. Father, son, and Holy Ghost. I thought he was was the one who made the house. He did. But in order to really understand the house and bring the house back, he must become part of the house by being a son of his own house. Now, as I said last weekend, Jesus couldn't be his own father, but God could become his own son. (laughs) So Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, the firm unto the end. So Jesus was a faithful and firstborn son over the house or the economy of God. Now he is also the heir or the governor of the house. Moses simply worked in the house. Now, for some of you who feel like you're so important that you are the house, (laughs) well, let me just tell you, you might not be no more than a doorknob. I'm hoping you ain't a rat somewhere in the house. I'm hoping you are at least part of the house. But remember, there's only one that was the son over the house, and that was the word. You see, he is the ruler. Amen. Moses was but the servant of the house, but Christ was the son and heir over the entire household of God. So then he can distribute gifts 
whether it's musical gifts, singing gifts, preaching gifts, whatever he wants, he received all them from the Father, and he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So gifts in preachers' lives are not to make them famous. Gifts in preachers' lives are not to make them idols so you can worship them. They're actually sent to you. Why? Because he is the son over his own house. So he received the gifts and then he gave those gifts back accordingly. Oh, wow. So he's not just the father of the house. Now, you see, this is where men would stop. They'd want to be the propagator, the father, the beginner, the originator, the big guy. But he said, I want to be a son also. Over my own house. For unto us a son is born, a child is given. His name shall be Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Whoa. A son is given and he's called a father. <laughs> It's his house in whom we are if we dwell in him. Can I have a few more minutes? Now, let's turn just a little bit if you would. In Philippians 2.5, notice what this son does being over the house of God. He thinks of others and not of himself. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the mind actually means the attitude. Mm. The attitude or the opinion. The opinion expressed. So, the attitude will determine the outlook. So, if your attitude is selfish... then the actions will be divisive, destructive, self-centered. You know how it is? All you got to have is one person like that in a family and they mess up the whole family. Everybody in the family is tore all two pieces around that one person. Well, I'm going to go ahead and preach. Y'all can preach with me or without me or amen or no or not or scrunch up your toes in your shoes, however you want to do it. But look, friends, it's the truth and you know it's the truth. Now, if we were then in the mind of Christ, we would think, what is the best for my family? What is the best for my church? What is the best for those that God has put me in the path of those that I'm to meet? Or we can say, well, I think and I believe and I think and I believe and I don't care who likes it. I really don't care. I'm going to say what I think. I don't care what. You're anointed of the devil. Well, it's getting warm in here, ain't it? Now, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, morphe, the form by which a person or thing strikes the vision, external appearance, so before he became 
a baby. He already existed. But in what form? The form of God. He was not a son of man in heaven. He was not a baby in heaven. He was in the form of God. In the God form. Or the God body. The God body given to the Logos coming from the realm of the invisible. So being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God simply because he was God. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God You see, it was from this form of God that he humbled himself. In form of theophany, the soul of Jesus was in the theophany of God. Now he must condescend beyond that in order to redeem us. And if he comes in the form of theophany, he cannot be like his brothers. Amen. So he must leave the form of God. So the attribute steps out of the theophany. To come to the earth to become a man. Hmm. Wow, it sounds sort of like what happened to us. So we stepped out of the eternal and bypassed the theophany and come to the earth to be tempted and tested. But if you come to the earth from heaven, this is not a one-way street. We do have the divine boomerang effect. We're on our way back, friends. <laughs> so he was in the form of God. Notice how Paul doesn't say that he was a man, because he wasn't. He was not in the form of a little boy, but he was in his God form. Mm-hmm. Let's stand. Oh, I know, I know. Oh. That'll make you want to come back in the morning, though. So before his incarnation, he had an existence in the form of God. But he looked at it from where he was. In the Greek words, it's beautiful. The way that Paul wrote this, so articulate. Beautiful. And he said that he looked at it and didn't even consider it to be a loss to become a man. To take on the form of a servant. You believe Jesus was in the form of a servant? Well, if he was in the form of a servant, was he a servant? Well, if he was in the form of God, then what was he? 
He wasn't no second person to God, had no third person because there ain't but one person. So here in the form of attribute of theophany, in the God form, praise God. Glory to God. He humbles himself. Humbles himself. It was not another being that made him do it. He humbled himself. I tell you, friends, this is what I really struggle with myself in human beings that think they are so much and think they are so great and so wonderful and they have all the answers to everything. I really struggle with people like that. First of all, they're as dumb as a donkey. A donkey's got more sense. A donkey will at least do just what God tells him to do. He's, he's, he's a donkey and he's dumb. Can you imagine this great eternal in the form of a theophany? That attribute. And the time frame hits of the breaking of the seal for the book to come down made manifest in flesh. And in that form of theophany, God form, he decides himself. <laughs> well, I'm also just going and say it. The Garden of Gethsemane is reliving his decision. And the prophet goes on to say, we were a part of those angels that never fell in the beginning. Your choice here in time is only reflecting what you was. That's why we can beg people, we can beat, we can plead. We, I, I could start offering people $1,000 of service to come to church. I could start trying to pay them to live right. They still won't live right. But if they was part of them angels, that angelic theophanic appearance before the throne of God, there ain't enough devils in hell to stop them. And there ain't enough money to try to buy them out. It don't matter difference what mama said, what daddy said, what the preacher said. Praise be to God, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. We'll pick this up, Lord willing, in the morning. Look at this word, kinu, which is where we get the word kinosis, to make void to empty, make empty, deprive of force, cause a thing to be seen, to be empty. So you make yourself appear that you are empty. Don't you understand? It was by choice that he did this. This is why he could say, I can do nothing of myself but what I see the Father doing. He chose to become that. Amen. 
And then we get a little bit of money. We move up in life. Boy, we got to drive a certain car and wear certain clothes and boy, wear something. Man, don't get that nose too high. If it rains, it may drown you. And what are you? A five foot bag of dust or six foot or six and a half, Brother Eric. What are you? And that soul in you is worth a million worlds. But he kenosis himself. So the theophany with you emptied out. And the attribute comes to the earth. It leaves the theophany and winds up in a body that says, wah, wah, wah. That had no power to raise the dead. No power to heal the sick. You could have took Jesus' baby hand and laid it on the sick. He had no power to heal the sick. And I know some of you Jesus owners is going to struggle with this. But he did not have power to do miracles until he received the fullness of the attribute down at the river. Oh, you say you shouldn't do that. I should. I'm reiterating to you his choice. Satan is trying to stop you from seeing this. He don't want you to see how low your Lord Jesus went. Praise God. You'll never catch the glimpse of reality until you see how low he went. And then from there started back up and brought you back up with him. Let's read this verse again and then we'll pray but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form. Now notice, he had on him the form of God. But he kenosed out of that and took on him the form of a servant. Look at the meaning of this word. Bondman, a slave. Metaphorically, one who gives himself up to another's will. Devoted to another, to the disregard of one's own interests. So he stepped out of his God form into his slave form. If you know then understand the crucifixion, you know the crucifixion was held only for the lowest off-scouring in the kingdom. A Roman citizen could not be crucified. Only slaves, thieves, robbers, the lowest of humanity was the only ones that could be crucified. And then we think we're something. Let's just face facts, friends. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be worth spitting on. 
we wouldn't be worth the time of day. Don't pride yourself in your family, this and that and the other. Face the facts. You're like all the rest of us. You're contaminated. There is no perfect human beings. There's only one of them that ever lived. And his name was not Reagan or Parker or Pruitt or Bab. It was Jesus Christ the Savior. All the rest of us are flawed and flawed deeply. And we need his amazing grace. Praise God. Don't you love him? Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. Oh, Lord Jesus. How can it be that the great drama of God so unfolds itself? So powerful, so sublime, and yet in reality so simple once it's revealed. Once it's made known, Lord, it is so simple. Lord, we confess until you make it clear to us. We, we struggle with it. We, we try to comprehend. We try to figure it out. We try with our, our mental faith, our intellectual faith. We just get it all scrupled up. But if we can just let go of our tradition. Praise God. And let you take us back into the eternities of the past. As we watch the dramas that unfolds from the invisible. And out of there comes a visible something which is the Logos. Then it becomes into the form of theophany. Appear, disappear. Then a baby is born on the earth. That attribute, Jesus. Then 30 years later, the fullness of the Godhead bodily steps inside that human body, Jesus. Then he becomes Emmanuel. God with us. Even in that, the display of your Stripping yourself, kenosis of yourself, is so evident that you said of the day and the hour when your coming would be, the angels didn't know, and even you didn't know. Only the Father knew. Oh Lord, how people look and they try to sort it through in our minds, but Lord, may we May we be able to die to our thoughts tonight. Lord Jesus, may we see how great you are. This kind of greatness is backwards to us. Because most of us, the great thing we know is step on people. And we step on people as we climb the ladder. That's the way many businesses are run. That's the way the corporate world runs. That's the way the political world runs in the church. Step on this person, that person, that person. Get them to the top as quick as you can. It makes no difference of the human casualties. But that's not the way you looked at it. You was in the form of God and become in the form of man. And still kept condescending in your earthly journey. Till you finally condescend metaphorically into the form of a snake. A serpent on a pole. 
than the type of the Old Testament. A scapegoat. Sin. Oh, Jesus. Because greatness is expressed in humility. Help us, Father, that we can die to ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, of our pride, our arrogance, feeling like we're something and we've accomplished something. We must be seen. We must be heard. Our opinion must count. Help us, God, to realize the closer we get to you, the more you can live in us, the less of us will be seen and be visible. Grant it, I pray, Father. How many in this place tonight is that your desire? To be a servant of God. Now, we've never been in that form, the way that was, the theophanic form. But we, all we've known has been this. But we know the way up is for us as servants to stay humble, small, little, true then God can exalt us. Can't you see what God done with His humanity? He took this portion of the earth, Mary ate food, the Middle Eastern food, hummus, lentils, peas, almonds, cashews, pistachios, the different things that they would have eaten and as she ate, that fed the body of Jesus being formed in her, Jesus as a little boy nursed her. She weaned him, then started feeding him table food. He wasn't eating breakfast with angels and lunch with angels and supper with angels. He ate Middle Eastern Mediterranean food. Praise God. He went back to his house after the age of 12 years old. And the Bible tells us he was subject. To Mary and Joseph and grew in wisdom and understanding. God can't grow in nothing. But he emptied himself. Kenosis. So he emptied himself of being all-knowing. Can you imagine us doing that? We have to run our mouth on stuff we, we don't even know. But we want people to think we know. And he knew everything. But he emptied himself of it. And he walked into the pool of Bethesda waiting for the vision to unfold and looking for the man. Because he saw a man in a vision on a cot. So he's looking around, walking, looking around. Maybe he walks past a child, a little boy about the size of our little brother there. Maybe he walks past a girl about this age and he walks over here. He don't know what to do. He's waiting for the vision to unfold. Then all of a sudden, there he sees him. Got a prostate trouble. Walks over, I've been, been afflicted for 38 years. Why? He can't go. Why don't he go through and heal everybody in there? He invested, divested himself of that ability as the Logos that created the universe. But he said, I empty myself. And I will follow you, Father. Praise God. I wonder what kind of church Happy Valley would be. If we could get a half a dozen people in here. Not all of you. If we could get a half a dozen people in this place. 
that can follow God. Lay aside our pride, our arrogance, our selfishness, our self-centeredness. Wonder what God could do for us at this place. You think God needs all the people of the message? We're finding out as we go along in time. A lot of these folks that's been in message churches, even preachers, ain't believed it none. And as we go on, there'll be even more that'll turn away. But that don't change one principle of God's word. Don't get your eyes on man. The prophet said you get your eyes on man, God will allow that man to make a mistake in front of you. So you don't look at him. Don't look at Brother Branham. Don't idolize Brother Branham. Don't idolize Donnie Reagan, Tim Pruitt, no other man. There's only one man we want to worship, and that's Jesus Christ. Every other man will fail you and disappoint you. Don't look to man. Look to God. Look to the Word. Precious. glory and grace. 
Jesus. I look full into his face. What do you see? Not a flawed human being, a sinless, a sinless, perfect one. Hallelujah. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Who am I? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't you appreciate His grace? Don't you appreciate Him loving you so much? Now, from this side of the veil, it's hard for us to imagine. If somebody, a sinner right here tonight, a drunk, a liar, a homosexual, a lesbian, a murderer, a bank robber, some person out there vile, and if they could find one person to die for them, they can live. Would any of us want to do it? We say, well, you know, that, that's a lot to ask. I mean, really, I've got my family. I've got who provides for my family, and I've got to make a living. And I, but the Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. No greater love has any man than this, that he will lay down his life for his friends. When I seek of how he came so far from glory let's sing it now he came and dwelt among the lowly such as I such disgrace on my Calvary take my place then I ask myself the question who am I let's sing the chorus together now would you brother Aaron
saints see you in the morning. Oh